The following podcast contains explicit language. He has a lot of great ideas. He's not a stupid man. He's worth $9 billion. I feel like our country is going down the drain. He's actually a very intelligent man who cares deeply about America. There is no question that this is the person who will go to Washington, D.C. and be able to absolutely turn the place around. Hello, welcome to TrumpCast, the show about Donald Trump, the man who just doesn't trust sheriffs. He's not sure why. There's just something about them. I'm Leon Nafok, your guest host, while my boss and fellow sheriff, Jacob Weisberg, is on vacation. A few months ago, TrumpCast interviewed a clinical psychologist about what exactly is going on in Donald Trump's mind and whether he might be suffering from some sort of emotional or mental disorder. Today, we thought we'd look at the other side of that coin, how Trump's ubiquitous and caustic campaign has affected the inner lives of ordinary people. To answer that question, we'll be speaking with Mark O'Connell, a psychotherapist in New York City whose clients have been coming in one after another, suffering from the Trumps. Or should that be Trumpitis? Maybe Trumpophrenia? Manic depression? Regardless, Mark is going to tell us what he's hearing out there, and we'll try to pin down exactly what kind of sick Trump is making people. His insights may surprise you. But first, how about some tweets? It's impossible for the FBI not to recommend criminal charges against Hillary Clinton. What she did was wrong. What Bill did was stupid. Crooked Hillary Clinton knew that her husband wanted to meet up with the United States Attorney General to work out a deal. The system is totally rigged and corrupt. Only a fool would believe that the meeting between Bill Clinton and United States Attorney General was not arranged or that crooked Hillary Clinton did not know. It was just announced by sources that no charges will be brought against crooked Hillary Clinton. Like I said, the system is totally rigged. FBI director said crooked Hillary Clinton compromised our national security. No charges. Wow. Hashtag rigged system. Joining us now is Mark O'Connell, a psychotherapist and social worker in New York City whose clients will not stop talking about Donald Trump. Mark, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. So when was the first time you heard a uh, patient tell you that Donald Trump was having some kind of impact on uh, his or her emotional well-being? I guess in the past year, I mean, I've just been hearing a lot of certainly direct references to people feeling targeted. Um, I have queer people in my practice and or people of color who really feel unsafe. They're not afraid necessarily of terrorist organizations outside of the country. They are afraid of people who are being influenced um, by Trump. He's rousing and encouraging other people to direct hate at people just like many of my clients. And so, and so there's, there's sort of those direct references, people um, hearing him talk about them. But there's also this indirect way in which people have been noticing his effect his presence, like his explosive, ubiquitous presence, um, mm-hmm. the, the way that's been affecting people in their lives, family members. There's, there's a breaking down of empathy 
I hear a lot from my, my clients, uh, particularly, again, people who are minorities, their family members. I've been hearing a lot of people not wanting to be politically correct. I've had queer people tell me that after the Orlando shooting, which, of course, was at a gay club, and yet not only did many of them not hear from family members, but some of them heard from them and were told, you know, kind of get over yourselves, basically. Get, you, you want equality, then don't ask for special treatment. This happened to all of us. So there is this way in which even people who aren't voting for him are being influenced by this uh, this kind of anti-empathy. Your, your clients uh, ascribe that to, to the Trump campaign. They feel like the people in their lives are becoming somehow hardened or coarsened just through his influence? Uh, there, well, like I said, there are times where, where they will directly uh, reference Trump and, and attribute it to Trump. And then there are other times where people are just more generally noticing this kind of breakdown of empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, something else that's very interesting is people noticing that their uh, family members or people in their lives who, who have also bullied their way to power within uh, the family system and who are very much like Trump um, in their behaviors and their oh, approach. Wow. Meaning like they're reminded of... Uh, they're reminded of their family members when they see him in action. They see Trump and they're like, that's, that's, that's my dad, basically? That, exactly. That's my dad. That's my uncle. That's somebody in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, you know, I have, I have actually had more than one client who's been disinherited uh, by a family member and then blamed for it in, the, in this sort of blame the victim approach that Trump takes. And so, so there's this way where they see it and there's a kind of weird relief in a way um, to see it so publicly, this phenomenon, and to recognize it as a phenomenon that's not just happening to them in isolation. Um, so there's this feeling of not being alone um, in a way, which is interesting. Huh. So that's sort of a, that's perhaps a uh, silver lining. So they, in other words, they see Trump and, and, and they're like, oh, this sounds familiar. This feels familiar. And, and uh, I'm not the only one this, is, this has happened to. Yeah, precisely. And because, you know, when when you're in a family unit, let's say you're the Megyn Kelly and you speak up against the bully in your family and you get attacked and then the bully says, oh, I'm not coming to a big event like Thanksgiving. And and then you're to blame and he gets away with it. (laughs) Um, That's not happening in public. Right. So you don't have social media to come to your defense. I don't mean to laugh. I'm Um, I'm, 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 I'm amused (laughs) by the by the uh, comparison of the debate and uh, Thanksgiving. But that lines up. (laughs) But of course, then there's also this concern. They've seen how destructive that phenomenon has been in their families and they worry about what's happening to the country. Right. Right. So in, in your experience, like, is it, is it common for people to feel besieged by politics in this way or, or actually just current events more generally? Um, not quite like this. I mean, I have a client who's a woman whose father is voting for, for Trump and mm-hmm. quotes him when he says misogynistic things about Hillary Clinton, Elizabeth Warren, any woman who's ever disagreed with him. And, you know, so, and so she has to face the fact that he is supporting someone who's directing hatred at her and people like her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and so she'll bring that up to him and, and he'll say, well, it's not you. It's like these women who've had abortions who should go to jail or something like that. And of course, she's had an abortion, this particular woman. And so there's this incredibly distressing dilemma that um, politics has um, created on uh, personal relationships that I haven't observed before. Yeah. I mean, you know, usually you think of therapy as a place where you talk about things that happen to you, things that, you know, your, your thoughts that go through your head or, or, or feelings that you experience. I feel like politics and, and uh, you know, stuff on the news, it, it, it sort of happens 
apart from us, right? And 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 it's interesting to hear that it it, it is uh, interfering on people's uh, personal lives in this way. I wonder, do you have any any uh, examples of people? having dreams or nightmares about Donald Trump? Are, is, it, is he, has he sort of um, wormed his way into people's subconscious as well as their conscious emotional lives? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I can't think of any um, specific Trump dreams, though that does sound very scary. <laughs> um, it's more the, um, the recognition. I'm hearing a lot more about the recognition of the parallels between um, his behavior publicly and what they experience privately. There's a lot of parallels, let's say, to McCain. And like, if you think of the GOP as a, as a kind of family or America as a family, who, who is the person in the family like a McCain who's been abused by this family bully and yet still backs him up? Like, the, mm-hmm. you know, so there's people who have made comparisons to say, a, a, let's say, an elderly parent. They have an elderly parent and they've let an abusive uh, sibling, like, you know, move in with them. And so that would be kind of a McCain move, right? Like Donald Trump completely disrespected him and, and here he is backing him up. Right. Or like a Paul Ryan, who's very much like a middle child, who's just like, oh, I want everyone to get along and refuses to acknowledge that someone has been <laughs> very abusive in the family. Uh-huh. Um, and so, so the, I think that's a lot of what I'm hearing, people making those kinds of connections. Um, so this is opening up conversations about how we about this phenomenon, what happens when you give someone too much power mm-hmm. that they can't handle, and how does that affect people? It's really um, certainly opened up a lot of uh, opportunities for discussion about that with my clients. Move, moving away from the from the sort of um, category of people who recognize themselves in, in, in people that Trump has has targeted or recognize people in their lives uh, in Trump's behavior, have you noticed anyone kind of just like? feeling worn down by his just constant presence. Like, I, 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 I kind of imagine that it's maybe, maybe it's just journalists, I guess, but who, who have to pay attention to this stuff every day. But I kind of feel like he's on TV so much. He's just everywhere. He's in the paper every day. You know, he, you just can't escape him. We're, we're sort of stuck with him in our lives for, for the foreseeable future. I mean, what, what do you tell patients who are just like tired of having to process him all the time or are sort of triggered, I guess, by his behavior and the, the kind of chaos that he, that he creates around himself. Right. Well, and there's little that, that you can do, but that's why I go follow them with, with their um, comparisons to their families, because that's where, where they have more power. Um, and so to deal with such a person in, um, in a familial level, you would, like for the client I said, who's, whose father is voting for him, mm-hmm. you know, if he continues to invalidate her, I mean, she has to take another approach to write, to use, make use of social media and to reach out to as many people as possible or to go to a a group where people are, you know, have similar um, situations, but really to make her, her voice heard. So I really encourage people to surround themselves with people who allow for a democratic process and to make their voices known. I, I, I have a colleague actually, who I was, I was telling him that that we were going to have this conversation and he said, well, you know, uh, he said, I actually had a dream and I had a nightmare about Trump. Uh, maybe you can find out what it means. I gather from, from, from what he told me, the nightmare was Trump was a kind of king residing at the peak of a mountain. And as king, he would look for people with disabilities of various sorts and then throw them off the mountain to purge the mountain mm-hmm. of anyone with uh, any kind of flaw. How do you, how, what is that? What, what, should, what should I tell my, what should I tell my, my friend here at Slate? Uh, what, what is happening in this head that this uh, dream is, is forming itself? Uh, well, that, that's pretty, that's pretty straight up. I mean, it's, he's just <laughs> watching the news, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> he's, he's, he, you know, he's reflecting pretty accurately what he's seeing. Um, <laughs> I mean, of course, there was that um, that moment, a horrible moment when he made fun of um, that journalist. Right. Um, but, but, but I think that's really the, the essence of it, of the dream and of what we're, we're seeing. He has no ability to, capacity to empathize. And, and there's a refusal, an angry refusal to empathize, because that's in the name of political correctness, and that's oppressive is what he's saying. But, you know, basic empathy <laughs> and curiosity about people is necessary for us all to live together safely. Mark O'Connell is a psychotherapist here in New York. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thanks for having me. That is it for today's episode of Trumpcast. The show is produced by Jason DeLeon, who blames Trump for his knee problems, his back problems, and his constant sense of dread. Slate's executive producer is Steve Lichtai, who has recently broken out in little red Trumps all over his body. Andy Bowers, whose soul has only grown stronger since Trump declared his candidacy, is our chief content officer. Special thanks to John D. Domenico, our voice of Donald Trump. I'm Leon Nafok. Thank you for listening to Trumpcast. Dishonest Media is trying their absolute best to depict a star in a tweet as the Star of David rather than a sheriff's star or a plain star.